Hi, I'm Andy Kindler, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. Are you enjoying it? I certainly hope so. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Todd Glass. I, I want to be on the right side of history, obviously, because it makes what well, you're living here you meet nicer people when you're being nicer. You, you circle yourself with really gentle, kind, nice, decent people. Been a while since we spoke to Todd. We got all caught up with him. He's doing some interesting things these days uh, on stage and off. We also have a song of the week coming up from Fizzy Blood. They sounded like the killers to me when I first heard them. See what you think. I think it's pretty cool. I think you're going to dig it. Also, we're going to play a little bit from Tabari McCoy's new album called Remarkable. Of course, he is a friend of the show, Cincinnati-area comedian. Well, he's based here. He tours throughout the region and and headlines clubs throughout the Midwest. And, uh, well, we'll do that on the other side of this. So Tabari was on the show a couple of weeks ago, about I think back in April, a couple months ago, and he was about to record his CD, and the CD is now out. It's called Remarkable, available in all the usual places. I uh, messaged him and said I wanted to play a track from it, and he said, well, I guess that's okay, but play a shorter one in case the record company gets mad. And I thought about it, and I thought, well, we did this last time his album was out. We played a clip from it, and the record company was fine with it, and we did this for Alex Stone, who was also on the same label. So I decided to play a slightly longer track. It's five minutes long, but I think it really kind of encapsulates Tabari's set. Uh, it's not particularly, you know, the funniest thing on there. It's all funny, but I'm saying it's not funnier than uh, anything. It's not less funny than anything on there. What I'm saying is it encapsulates through the whole five minutes. Kind of, you kind of get a whole a good sensibility uh, of Tabari and what the rest of the album is like, to put it that way. Okay, and um, I mean it is my favorite track on the album too, by the way, uh, just because I think I just love kind of the commentary he has and kind of things he has to say about uh, comedy in general. So with that. From his album Remarkable, this is Tabari McCoy. Thank you, Adrian Peterson is the name of the track. I just can't deal with it no more, man. Like, I'm trying, but every time I try to find stress relief in the world, something else stresses me out. And it happens with everything I enjoy. You know, I'm a big football fan. You know what I mean? Any other football fans buy a round of applause? Anybody else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love football. I love watching them get concussions. I love football. You know what I mean? You know, but here's the thing about football. The NFL has had a ton of scandals in recent years, okay? I don't know if anybody else has been paying attention, but it has not been easy to watch the NFL and not feel a little guilty about something, okay? Because the NFL, they've had the PED scandals, but everybody had PED scandals, okay? That's why I used to like baseball, you know? I don't even understand why there were performance-enhancing drugs in baseball, okay? Because I played baseball as a kid, okay? And that was the perfect... Perfect game for a chubby kid, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, let me get this straight. I hit the ball far enough, I get to walk? And I get a juice box? Well, sign me up, I'm good, just, you know what I mean? But the NFL has had tons of scandals, I mean, and like bad ones, you know, like they had the one a couple years ago with Ray Rice when he was playing Mike Tyson's punch out, the home version, you know, just, you know. I didn't do it. And then, you know, Tom Brady got a bunch of scandals, but Tom Brady wears Ugg boots, so make of that what you will. Uh, but, uh, you know, the one, the, the scandal to me that was just the worst scandal was the Adrian Peterson situation. 
you know. And if you don't know who Adrian Peterson is, Adrian Peterson is about a six foot two running back who looks like he was carved out of a piece of stone and then somebody bronzed him real well, okay? (laughs) Yeah, Adrian Peterson is a physical specimen of perfection, okay? There are many here right now that have no doubt they are heterosexual and they saw Adrian Peterson naked, they'd be like, honey, take a time out, okay? He's a gorgeous, Beast of an athlete of a man, okay? But Adrian Peterson, a couple years ago, had a scandal where he apparently had disciplined his son a little bit too hard, and they said it was child abuse. And ladies and gentlemen, I am not going to make any jokes about child abuse because everybody says, well, you know, everything's funny over time. No, I'm not really not going to make fun of child abuse. That's bad. And if you go home and abuse your child, I hope that you go die in a fire at a Tyler Perry movie and Tyler Perry's in the crowd with you. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, I try to find a positive out of every negative, and the only positive I could think of took me a while to find, but then I embraced it because Adrian Peterson single-handedly did what no one else had been able to do in my entire lifetime, and that was to stop black comedians who suck from doing that tired ass premise that you gotta beat your kids. In one single atrocious act, Adrian Peterson got rid of all those black comics doing that tired joke, which is why in this day and age, I would love to watch a black headliner go on stage with one of them terrible stage names like Greasy Ribs and it's spelled like Z-Y so it's got extra flavor, you know what I mean? You know. I would love to watch a black comic try and go on stage in this day and age doing that tired routine, but then realizing he has to flip it so it fits modern parenting message. Because that, to me, would be hilarious. You go out to a comedy club on a Friday night and see a dude in a loud shirt that looks like Cross Colors threw up on an old major damage Carl Kanai outlet. Some of y'all don't know who this is. Get more black friends. Anyhow, uh, you know. I would love to see that dude on stage sitting there trying to do that joke at a comedy club with modern parenting methods. That would be hilarious. You see the dude just like, oh, ski, oh, snap, oh, snap. I was at the mall, right? I was at the mall, and I saw this kid, and his mama was sitting there, and the kid was wilding out. He was knocking shit off the shelves. He was going crazy. Like, I want everything. And the mama was like, that's it. I've had enough. And I was like, oh, snap. He about to get his ass whooped. But instead of that, you know what the mama did? You know what the mama did? She was like, look here. I had to beat your ass, but instead of doing that, I'm going to talk to you like a responsible young person because you have to break the cycle of violence within the black community and I want you to grow up knowing good and well that violence is not the answer because there's too many statistical facts to the fact that we're only 90% of the population and 78% of the jail population and I can't let you go out like that because I want you to grow up to have a chance to be the next president of the United States of America or be something besides the CEO of a rap label and I want you to have a chance to marry whoever you want and not have to be a fat white girl, it can be a cute white girl. I got to make sure this can happen for you so I'm not going to do that to you. That would be crazy, right? I'm glad you left. I will never be on Def Comedy Jam, ever. To Barry McCoy, thank you, Adrian Peterson. That is from his new album, Remarkable. And again, you can find that anywhere you find comedy CDs, be it your iTunes, your Spotify's, your Amazons, uh, anywhere you want to look for that. And uh, go see Tabari. You can find Tabari's information at tabarimccoy.com. And Tabari is T-A-B-A-R-I in McCoy standard spelling. So check him out.
Todd Glass is a stand-up comedian originally from Philadelphia, PA. He now makes his home in Los Angeles. He tours the country headlining clubs and theaters and does his podcast, The Todd Glass Show. Here now is our interview with Todd Glass. Todd, it's P.F. How you doing? Good. Good to talk to you again, man. It's been a while, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me? It's been a while. It has been, I guess. I was thinking about that when I was talking to Michael. Uh, maybe the last time or the time before when I was at Acme. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, oh, before uh, we get rolling any further, is it okay if we use the audio for my podcast again like we did last time? Yeah, yeah. Can okay. you hear me okay? Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I, you can, okay, because I had a head problem with my headset. If okay. any time during it you feel like it's shabby, I could turn it, you know, maybe oh, that's fine. not use Cool. That's cool. So um, so what's new with you? I know you're still doing your show, uh, your podcast and all, but uh, what's, what's the newest? Because it's been, like I said, it's been almost, gosh, probably two, three years since we spoke. Yeah, you know, just really doing what I love to do the most, and that's tour around, and just ever since the Netflix special... Uh, you know, just, uh, touring around and doing the show. And I've been loving utilizing the band. That's something that I did. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't, but now I'm pretty much doing it in every market. And, uh, I love it. It just makes it fun for me. It's very hard to explain. It's, I mean, it's basically what people saw on the Netflix special, but right. now since I've been doing that a lot more, the band is more included than before. Uh, just a lot of bits, and it's uh, I love it. I love the, the whole energy of it, and it makes performing a lot of fun for me. So, what was kind of the inspiration to to bring the band into it, and to kind of you know bring that aspect? Would you have something you know different than the normal comedy special hour type situation, or uh, you know what? No, it just developed since then. Because my podcast, you know, the podcast has really influenced my stand-up, and which is a good thing. Those are my two favorite things in the world to do, and literally, and um, and going home and visiting my mom in case she listens. You never know; <laughs> she starts spot listening around the internet. Yeah, so yeah. you like is the band and your podcast. Um, but uh, so you know, since. I started using them more. I mean, I've used bands in the past, like to open up as people are coming into the comedy club or the theater, they're playing jazz as, you know, just people are being seated. And then for my show, I would use them here and there, but all the bits, they, over the year, over since, since that year that I started doing it on the special, it just grew, you know, it, it just like, just like the act, the bits between me and the band grow and grow and grow. So uh, let me ask, as a fellow podcaster, and you've been doing it for this for a while now too, has it spoiled you for like working with other people? Because you know the great thing, the number one best thing about podcasting, no one really tells you what to do. It's you know it's you have complete creative control. And do you think kind of go on? Go ahead. I was, do you think it spoils uh, people? You know, for working with other people. Um, I think we said this before. I think that's what I thought about podcasting. What it did, it gave radio the purity of stand-up, which, I mean, that in itself says everything. That's why stand-up is so great, because it's a little narcissistic. If you look at it on one level, you write, you direct, you edit. But what it doesn't mean, uh, because that's how you get something so pure, it means you, you inevitably make the final edit, the final choice. 
but it does not mean that you will not take suggestions from people you respect. Yes. That's the difference. People you respect. But when you have to take suggestions from people, not necessarily you don't like, no, you might like them. You just, you know, I don't, I love my parents. So I don't respect their comedy opinion. <laughs> I love my sister-in-law. I don't respect her, nor does she respect my opinion on fashion. If that's what her forte is, it doesn't yeah. mean. So you still take advice and you still listen. That's how you grow from people you respect. But ultimately, even if it's someone you respect, you make the final cut. So, you know, there lies, I think, that it doesn't mean you don't have to listen to other people. And if you truly listen to people, sometimes you'll take their advice and sometimes you'll be better for it. But at the end of the day, you make the final choice. And that's why it's so pure. You know, you, if you just picture like an artist, but I always like to clarify, I'm not talking about not listening and not, especially from people that love you. They often give you great advice that makes you be better. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, don't, I often picture like if someone was painting a picture and they kept turning to, uh, and it doesn't mean that an artist doesn't grow and he doesn't learn, but I don't think he wants to learn from painting a picture in a, in a venue where there's a hundred people watching and every time he makes a brush stroke, goes, you like it? Is it good? Is that, do you like it? Uh, you're not going to get any masterpiece by turning to the audience every 30 seconds. That doesn't mean you don't respect them. They don't benefit by you doing that. You just need to do what you do. And so long answer for a short question. Yes. No, I, I still think you can work with other people and, you know, and, and usually when you go into comedy clubs, a good comedy club, which comedy clubs that I work, they're just helping you do that anyway. They're like, what can I do to make what you're going to do easier. How can I help you present what you do in the best way? Yeah, it's funny. I kind of ran into that situation recently because my new full-time job that I got in January, I got largely because of my podcast. They were impressed with the fact that I've got you know 7,000 listeners. I've been doing it for five years. And uh, so I went to redo their old podcast, and I moved their old intro to the, the bumper between the intro and the interview, and I came up with a whole new intro. And the one owner was like, uh, we should move that old intro back. And I was like... It is your company, and I get that, but I was like, no, it's staying. And the other owner backed me up and said, no, the new intro is a lot better. But like you said, they had other exactly. advice, too, that was like, you know, let's take out some of the spaces here and add out all the ums and ahs. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, exactly. We totally need to do that. Keep it tight. But um, So you're playing a theater in Minneapolis. Are you been doing a lot of theaters on this tour, or is it a mix of clubs and theaters? Hold on one second. Sure. Maybe I have the same reception in there. Hello, hello. Yep. I guess I'll hear you. Oh, there was somebody at the gym. I, I knew what it was. There was somebody in the gym. And, and I get it. I'd probably do the same thing. But he was like arranging where the waters are at the hotel gym and the towels. Okay. But I think he was just sort of also listening to the conversation. Just uh, out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't do it. So I thought, you know what? I bet if I leave, he's out of here in two seconds. And I did. I walked out. He walked out behind me. <laughs> so now I'm, back in, now I'm back in here by myself. All right. So anyway, I apologize if I drifted off. But if you could make a little edit on that. Sure, I sure. No problem at all. Okay, so, so, uh, so go ahead. Go back to what you said. Talk, all, you were, you're, doing, uh, you're doing a theater in Minneapolis, uh, the Royal Theater there. Are you doing a lot of theaters on the tour? Are you doing more theaters now overall? Or is it kind of a mix of uh, theaters and clubs? Well, you know, sometimes I like the, the, uh, the, the reason... Sometimes, like, you know, the, the, um, the Royal Comedy Theater is, um, like, I think it holds 75 people. It's crazy intimate. And sometimes, of course, I couldn't make a living if I was, I don't think, doing that all the time. But it, it is a lot of fun to do a ridiculously 
ridiculous. I mean, look, most comedy clubs are intimate. They only hold 300 people. But then to go, I call it absurdly intimate, and still do the same show, still bring, have the whole band there and do everything like it was a 5,000-seat room in this crazy little intimate, you know, just really romantic space is a lot of fun. So sometimes I do that. I like uh, I like both. You know, I like sometimes I'll literally be opening for someone at Madison Square Garden in front of whatever amount of people that is or the Forum in Los Angeles and then do my normal run by myself uh, at comedy clubs around 300 people. Uh, and then, you know, and so and then do some stuff like this where it's just, uh, you know, very, very small little quaint theater. Yeah. I was there once during the festival, and um, it was a lot of fun, so I decided to go back. Oh, cool. And, you know, and then normally I, I play Acme, which is, you know, there's no, there's, they don't have to compete against each other. They're both fun venues. Acme is, as I think you know, probably one of the most respected clubs on the planet. Yes. And um, I was like, hey, do you mind if I do this? I just want to do like three or four days here. They're like, oh, go do it. We don't care. You know, they're very, the way they should be, they class act. You know? yes, so, uh, so, but yeah, yeah, just uh, touring around since the special and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, as uh, Jackie Cation says, Louis Lee is very supportive. She said on uh, her show, I, I'm way behind on listening to her episodes, but she said, Louis is, is a more supportive career than I am of my own. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, that's great when clubs are like that. Proving clubs can have a creative backbone and be great, and you know that's that's why I wanted to come back to the uh, to the uh, Royal Oak uh, Theater. They call that, I guess, a black box theater. You know, so it's not when people hear theater, they think theater like right. you know seating and the oh, yeah, yeah. seating, but they're called like black box theaters, and uh, they're great. They're great. There's some really awesome little out of the way little black box theaters. And, uh, it's just, you see it the minute you're walking down the street, you see the little opening. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it and, and, uh, been enjoying touring a little bit more. And I mean, I always enjoy it, but I mean, a little more like really since the special and since the book, um, I enjoy talking about social issues a little bit more now on stage than I used to. Um, and uh, so that's that's been fun too to change things up a little. And do you feel because now that you know you've just been on the planet longer that you kind of feel? Cause I know twenty year old kids maybe don't feel as comfortable talking about you know social issues and things because they really haven't been around and have lived life yet. You know, there's they know about drinking and getting laid and partying and all that stuff, which is fine because you know that's that is funny stuff. You know, when you're that age and that's what you're interested in. But you know, as we get older and become you know men of a certain age, as they say, do you find do you think that gives you a little more of a comfort level? in discussing those kinds of issues? You know, I think it's whatever, cause, because I, by no means, and I always like to be really clear with this, by no means, uh, you know, comedy, brilliant comedy, I'm not saying I do it, I'm just making a comment. <laughs> brilliant comedy can be uh, silly, you know, like I think no one would deny that someone like, trying to think of comedians today, like Rory Scovel, or in the middle area, like a guy like Kevin Meany, or if you go way back to Steve Martin, his stand-up days, that was brilliant silliness. Or yes. the Smothers Brothers, if you want to go way back, silly can be brilliant. So you don't have to be to, to be a better comic by any means tackle those issues. I just started to want to. I think I'm on the right side of history. So I I, I hope, I hope I am. Otherwise, I'll look like a fool. Huh. I always say if I don't decide to talk about the thing. I, I want to be on the right side of history, obviously, because it makes, while well, you're living here, you meet nicer people. 
when you're being nicer. You, you circle yourself with really gentle, kind, nice, decent people. But um, as far as you know, as you get older, you know, there's a lot of younger comedians now that I'm always surprised that, like, maybe, you know, hey, look, information is knowledge. We're certainly in an era of uh, knowledge because there's a lot of information out there. Uh, that, that are on the right side as well. And I'm always excited when I see it because comedy is a, man, comedy is a powerful tool. So yep. when you see comedians talking about issues and you perceive they're on the right side, it, it's really nice. It's funny because we're, we're interviewing a, a young man tomorrow who's actually a, a musician and an actor, and he ran in a little bit of trouble uh, where he kind of came across as a little transphobic on his uh, Twitter account. And um, I asked my one daughter, so well, how, he's got to be in his 30s now, right? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, he's in kind of in that spot where he grew up where it was okay to be a douchebag. And then all of a sudden, around probably 2021, he got smacked in the face with, no, we're not going to put up with this anymore. And it's kind of hard to, you know, because I think guys our age maybe tend to get, rightly or wrongly, tend to get a pass. You know, like, oh, well, they grew up that way. You just have to educate them. And then, you know, now kids grow yeah. up like, you can't, you know, you can't do that going forward. We don't accept this anymore. And, and not to be argumentative about it, but I, I look, I get it. Your grandmother's 91. <laughs> you give her a pass. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's other older. I think you don't give her a pass because that would mean that it would be impossible for, let's say not 90. How about we go more realistic, 70? Because you have to have cognizant and, and be aware. Maybe by the time you're 90 or 91 or whatever at age, you, you can't go back and forth to someone. But if someone's 70, I don't give them in a pass because their views might be dated. Um, but I understand, maybe, you know. But, but there's some other 70 year old out there. It, it's like if you see a kid and he's, uh, you know, uh, 20 years old and he's, uh, pooping in the middle of a mall. And you go, well, you gotta understand he's 20. There's other 20 year olds <laughs> going, no, 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 don't, don't act yeah. like every 20 year old. So, no, 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 we're 20 and we have a lot to learn, but we know pooping in the mall is wrong. Yeah. So let's not apply his age to as an excuse. And that's how I feel about social issues. You know, it's, yes, as you get older, you become more complacent. Now, a lot of younger people might be wrong too, but that's older people's fault. So at the end of the day, I never blame younger people. But, you know, uh, yeah, you have to be... There's information out there. We learn. It would be like if to me if you went to couples counseling and you learned about the person you're with, but you looked at that as inhibiting you to be who you are. It's like, well, no, you're, you're, you know, oh, I have to walk on eggshells and be PC around my significant other. No, you're learning about who they are. Does that bother you? Because maybe it's a little more difficult. Yeah. You know, so, but, but, you know, I, um, Look, I've said this many times. When I'm 80, I hope I'm doing comedy, and I hope I'm relevant, and I'm on the right side of history. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. That's not <laughs> going to happen if I don't start now. By no bullshit, uh, yeah. no whatever comes across my path, I'll learn about it. because, And, I'm, and I won't go too long on this, because I know I get passionate about this. But if you look at the history of the world, any time... I don't like to use words like racist anymore or homophobic because they fall on deaf ears. Yeah. And it's your job if you're trying to educate someone, not in a flippant way. I could argue, oh, well, people don't know what racist means. They think to be racist is you'd have to uh, hurt somebody or you'd have to, you know, I'm, how could I be racist? My uh, president of my company, I just bumped up and he's, 
he's black, or how could I? They, 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 they're just a little confused what it means to be racist. And yeah. I always say the people that know what it means to be racist or sexist or homophobic, I always can tell how people truly know the definition of that word if they don't mind calling themselves on it. They'll be like, well, that was a little bit sexist of me. That doesn't yes. mean at the end of the day, it doesn't mean you're a horrible person. You right. just call that behavior for what it is. But nevertheless, I think it's easier to not use those words anymore because they fall on deaf ears. It's better to call people on the behavior. You know, like instead of saying that's sexist, maybe say something cleaner that they can grasp onto and they know what you mean. Say something like, oh, wow, you have an old-fashioned view of the relationship between a man and a woman. Yeah, it's... Uh, and that, they get. Yeah. There's also the people I call the uh, functional racists and, and functional homophobes. You know, this guy I used to work with, and wouldn't deny uh, you know a black person a job or a gay person a job, but he would, of course, tell the story. Like he was at a, a um, one of these game, like uh, Dave and Buster's, and the power got cut, and all the all the people, I wouldn't say which ones, ran out and didn't pay. Well, we know what you meant, Mark. You know, I mean, it's just right. stuff it, like it's that. It's a very, it's a disguise. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's why I was saying that you know, I don't, as I get older, I want to be able to not go down that path yeah. of, uh, of, of you know, being on the right side of history. Oh, oh, here's what it was. Because let's say on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 is the most egregious racism. You know, for what it's worth, just like stealing. You know, are there different levels of stealing? If you steal uh, a towel from a hotel, is that the same as stealing a car? Yeah. I think we can agree there's different levels. Sure. But... So, so even on a scale from one to ten, ten being something the most egregiously sexist or the most egregiously racist, um, I've noticed from doing stand-up as long as I have, um, none of it weathers well. Even if it's on a scale from one to ten, just trying to put it on a level, um, even if it's a two, even if it's a two or a three, nothing egregious, nothing in the time anybody points out of you. But as you look back at your work 30 years later, you're like, oh... Oh, it's embarrassing for me, maybe for other people it isn't. I, I think if you're not embarrassed by sexism and racism and homophobic jokes from 30 years ago, well, then you're probably not going to really take a look at what you're doing today with a magnifying glass. Yeah. So whenever I see anybody that, you know, it's just sort of being like, oh, it's comedy, don't overthink it, I go, oh, you're not overthinking it because you don't look at old comedy and go, Yeek, that was... That was oh. embarrassing, or and it doesn't have to be major. It could be, yeah. you know, when I see a comedian and it's a subtle joke, a comedian that I love. Forget about a comedian I don't like. When some comedians that I love, I really think they're great, but then they make a maybe a joke about homeless people, and I'm like, oh, oh that was yeah. Oh, I know, big deal, but that was, you know, you had a lot of power as a comic. You're going to take some verbal exactly. blows at yes. homeless people. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I'll give you a musical example. My favorite group is, uh, well, I have two favorite groups, the Beach Boys and OMD. And OMD have a song called Tesla Girls, and it's about people that use technology and don't uh, really understand it. Well, more to the point, uh, they wrote it in 1984, and I saw this old interview on YouTube, and they're saying, oh, yeah, Tesla Girls, it's about women not, you know, you can use hair dryer, but they don't know how it works. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, through the lens of 2018, I'm like, and these are very progressive, you know, uh, you know, almost socialist guys who are, you know, very much, you know, for, you know, all the things, all the right things now. But back in 1984, they're 25 year old kids saying, ah, chicks don't know how to use technology. Let's make fun of them. Holy crap. <laughs> right. And, and no one's, no one has 
bringing up this nor you nor me to criticize them. Oh yeah, yeah. Just... They might they might be going, oh my god. Oh, but I'm absolutely. saying the more you look at old things you do and the way yeah. you sound. And, you know, you don't just use the excuse, well, it's true, they don't. I know, but it doesn't need to be amplified. It doesn't. So no one's looking to go back and criticize because I made mistakes. And um, I think, I look, I've said this so many times, but I never take for granted everybody's heard it. So sometimes I think, oh, Todd, why do you say this? Why do you, you go over and over and over and over? And I, I, I know this one thing. For anybody that thinks that, that might be listening or reading this interview, that goes, oh, Todd, shut up already. <laughs> I hope I hope this with no flippantness at all. You look and you you live long, long and healthy. So twenty five years from now, you can go. Oh, I don't think Todd was probably yelling and screaming about this at the top of his lungs because I am. I talk about sure. it on a lot of interviews. Sometimes I sway it myself over there. I'm aware of it because one thing brings up another thing. But um, yeah. So. Uh, so it's just been enjoyable to talk about it on stage anyway. And the end of my, uh, you know, bum, 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 Well, how much onus is on the audience? Because we were, uh, another musical example, we went to a, a festival here in town uh, this week called Bunbury and Foster the People played. And Foster the People hardly ever play their big hit live anymore, Pumped Up Kicks, because it's about, uh, basically about a school shooting, even though it's not advocating it. And uh, my daughter was looking at the set list going, no, he hasn't played it in a long time. And and my wife said, oh, that's good because an open-air concert, you know, you wouldn't, God forbid, something to happen. And I thought, well, is it his fault, though, if people don't understand the song? Because people were getting upset he was still playing it. And I'm like, well, is it... Well, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And, 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 you know, are there gray areas with what we're talking about where someone will go, you should do it? But, you know, being responsible and being sensitive, that's like to me uh -huh, when people yeah. talk about white privilege. They're like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, wow, this is a great starting point. How about just some empathy? Sure. How much do you want? You want a 10% tax? Well, back up. Just some empathy. Just some, just because if you get that, you will go, wow. So that's all this is. That's a band going, we could go, we didn't know. It's like if someone came over to your house and they had been mugged at the supermarket uh, look, I can never think of great analogies. But like, <laughs> someone came over to your house and something happened to them that was very tragic. Uh, last year when there were fireworks at the, at the at New Year's Eve, whatever. And then you go, so do me a favor. I'm like, I don't, I know we can't molly coddle them, but you know, his wife got fifth degree burns from a firework that went into the crowd. And obviously, you know, yeah. so could you not bring that, the, the, the fireworks up this year that we all want to go? Um, just, just in front of them, just, I know we can't yeah. molly coddle them the rest of their life. And you went, well, it's not my fault. <laughs> Was it my fault? Is it my fault? It's not my fault. Is it my fault? No. So that's all that band's saying. They're like, it doesn't matter if it conjures up re justifiable. They go, what do we want? What do we want out of the song? What was the purpose of the song? Sure. To sing a great song and then explain it? Yeah. Exactly. You know, what should we do? Have grad don't? So I think that's probably all it is. They're like, yeah. Yeah, that was a great song, and now it's just for, for the. For, I drop out jokes in my act sometimes when after there's a tragedy, or I remember after nine eleven. Of course, I didn't have any jokes about nine eleven. It yeah. was the day after nine eleven. I was, you know, performing a week later, but there were jokes where I was yelling, and uh, I thought, yeah. God, I don't want to yell right now. I don't want to yell. So not because nine eleven was my fault, just to be, uh, just to be sensitive. Yeah, so, yeah. you know. Well, perfect. Well, Todd, sounds like you're fighting the good fight, and the folks up there in Minneapolis are in luck. Hopefully, we'll be in luck down here in Cincinnati sometime soon and get you back here. 
Um, maybe get you into Go Bananas. Uh, where, where? Go Bananas. Oh, Cincinnati. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's right. I, you know what? I've always heard great things about going bananas. From a few, I'm like, where do I work in Cincinnati? And I just, yeah. we talked once on the phone going back and forth. That never happened. But I would, I would love to go there. But I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll remind um, Mikey. You know, thanks, thanks for the interview. And uh, hopefully we'll put some people in the seats over there at the Royal, uh, at the Royal, Royal Theater. Comedy Theater. And, and, and the rest of it, we have, we'll, we'll point to your, um, uh, tour, the rest of the tour dates too from, uh, from the Podbean page. And, uh, yeah, it'll, uh, we'll get more butts in more seats in more cities. Uh, thanks a lot. Right. I appreciate, Th- always appreciate it. Thanks, Todd. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Thanks again to Todd Glass for being on the show. You can catch Todd, let's see, it uh, looks like um, in New York City at Skirball Center for the Performing Arts in New York, New York. It looks like it's uh, on LaGuardia Place there, if you're familiar. And then, uh, here, let me take this off of the, he wants me to have for his newsletter there. Uh, then you can find him at the rec room in Huntington Beach there on July 14th. And then the 23rd through the 28th, he is at Just for Laugh. Oh, the Montreal, uh, the, the uh, comedy festival up there in Canada. There you go. You can catch him there. Uh, always a good time. And let me see. So it's going to bring us up to the song of the week. Oh, uh, for all other Todd Glass information, by the way, toddglass.com. Find his podcast anywhere you find podcasts, wherever you find this one. Probably you'll find Todd's show as well. All right. So the uh, track of the week Our song of the week is from a group called Fizzy Blood. Just heard them on Radio 1, and I thought, is this a a track from the new Killers album that I missed? Because I kind of lukewarm on the new Killers album. I like the uh, the single was okay. Um, I really, I don't know, I have to maybe revisit. It hasn't really taken yet. But uh, this band is called Fizzy Blood. The uh, album is, the song is called Pink Magic. They do not have an album out yet. They're working on that. And I'm not even sure this has been added to the Radio 1 playlist, so people uh, texted into the show. Uh, the Scott Mill Show and said, please put this on the Radio 1 playlist. So, anyway, here it is. This is uh, Fizzy Blood, Pink Magic. It's our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.